co-creator and i am taryn uh, your co-host and co-creator <laughs> <laughs> basically uh, and you're listening to the chartographers it's basically a uh, glorious pop music bacchanal that we've described uh, kind of gussied up in a podcast clothing i'm sorry i'm not giving you that one <laughs> so i that's that's the you know that blog we were just looking at reasons i deleted your band's email that's reasons i'm deleting this podcast okay i'm sorry wait what did you how did you describe it a glorious podcast a pop music bacchanal dressed pop up in podcast clothing. Bacchan- wow. To be fair, if there's one band that inspires critics to say ridiculous things like that, it's, it's radio. It's true. It is true. Um, and if you'll recall um, <laughs> just... the infamous uh, Pitchfork review of Kid A, which used actually, with the language in that review, makes what Evan just said sound like a basic description. With <laughs> Basically, essentially. And guys, the thing is, we are talking about... Radiohead, one of the biggest, most, I would say most influential rock bands of the past uh, 20 years. Uh, yeah, like, clearly. Like, it's not, it's not even, their, like, a hard push. You hear their influence mm-hmm. everywhere. And I'm saying 20 lover. years because I'm not counting uh, Pablo Honey at all, but few people do. But hey, uh, we're joined, I'm not sure if you heard that other voice that wasn't me or Taryn. Guys, we are joined <laughs> right. by uh, a wonderful and fantastic guest. Uh, actually, and he's one of my uh, brothers in podcasting. Uh, we go back a long ways. Uh, this is a guy we did a pop talk together at a Pop Matters, where uh, he also served as an editor and still a writer there. You can also catch his contributions at Glide Magazine. Guys, Bryce Zell is here. Bryce, how's it going when you don't say those kind of things? Uh Oh, it's going well. I'm thoroughly ready to defend number one, Pablo oh. Honey. Number two, Pablo <laughs> Honey. Number three, Pablo Honey B. Oh, yeah, basically. At- we all bought the remasters yeah. that Radiohead were totally against releasing in the first place. Uh, by the way, uh, oh, really? Bryce is in studio right now. Bryce, you were talking about it for so long. Can you lift up your shirt and show us that uh, King of Limbs tattoo that you have? Because I've been so... Uh... Uh, that is literally the last tattoo I would get if I had to choose a Radiohead tattoo. <laughs> Like, if if I had to have a King of Limbs tattoo, it would be like the album cover with a big circle and a slack. Wow. As will be revealed thank, later in this podcast. Thank you, Chris Ott, for showing our podcast. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, guy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that wasn't nearly Glenn Beckish enough to. Oh, we're, we're working our way up there, uh, guys. We are talking about Radiohead, and uh, with the chartographers, the biggest thing that we want to do is that uh, we bring in music-loving people to talk about a group that is uh, known and celebrated, and we will rank their discography however we see fit. Uh, we have a couple of rules that kind of go on with this. Uh, first off, that you know we will debate these things, we will uh, attack them, but we're also open-minded people. As much as we can be militant of like, no, you're totally wrong. Uh, you know, Ripcord is the greatest song they ever did, or whatever. Uh, you could go ahead and uh, debate that, but if two people outweigh what a debate, we're just going to kind of bury it and move on, but we're also open enough. Like, I kind of have an idea of what a number one album is in mind, but Bryce or Taryn could have a solid argument that sways me the other way. We try to be open-minded here. It's a fun, loving debate, because if we're not having fun, it gets angry, and if we get angry, uh, we, the point? we turn into Muse, which is, by the way, a band that owes everything yeah. to Radiohead. So uh, They kind of 
owe a bit to Radiohead at first, but then they just start like owing everything to Dream Theater because then they're like, we're going to write a 15 minute symphony at the end of our. Well, album. and I think it's going to be bad. I think they definitely owe a lot to Queen too. It's like it's mm-hmm. like rock Radiohead meets Queen because there's a lot of the the stacked operatic vocals and the you know mm-hmm. the vast soundscapes that you know it's sound more like a movie like a an action movie than a you know a drama um yeah well, well my theory is always that uh when you think about in terms of genesis in terms of influence really a uh, coldplay and muse were kind of some of the direct uh, disciples of radiohead worship because really especially with those first few albums coldplay kind of walked away with the ballady side of radiohead especially early radiohead and muse walked away with the just styled rock numbers mm-hmm. and then they just kind of both built up their own careers from that blueprint that they basically had mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, and having seen muse on both of their last tours i could confirm that the queen comparison is apt Wait did, you see, wait, did you see them on the drones tour? I did. And the, my favorite moment of that tour is I went with my little brother. Mm-hmm. And who, uh, he liked me. He likes me, but didn't like that record either. Um, I wrote a rather, uh, not scathing, but not optimistic Pop Matters review of that. I remember um, that, yes. But I told, uh, so they were touring for the record Drones. And I told uh, my brother Carson before getting out, I was like, the only way that this show could be com- like even more unsubtle is if they brought an actual drone into the equation. And lo and behold, in the penultimate song of the set, uh, we were at the Staples Center in Los Angeles, a big inflatable drone started circling around the arena. Um, yep, and it was just like, I feel like at this point that they are self-aware that they don't like take it that seriously. Uh, but even if they don't, like, it's one of the best rock shows I've ever seen, undoubtedly. All right. All right. More than Radiohead Live? I have not seen them, although I plan to see them this year at ACL. Oh, okay. We also plan to see them this year at Lollapalooza. So All right. we'll have to let each other know how that we'll goes. We'll compare notes is what we're going to do. <laughs> Uh, I, guys, you can't hear it over the microphone in the studio, but there is a lot of uh, finger gun shooting gestures going so on. Yep. Little, we're, we're all like little cowboys here. Uh, speaking of cowboys, let's go ahead and get these dusty trails all settled with a list of what we're actually talking about. That's the worst segue I've ever done, and I'm good at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, guys, first, I mean, it's this, this isn't that hard a thing, but let's just kind of go over it. The biggest thing for me is that, I mean, clearly we're not doing the EPs. The EPs, as good and as fascinating as they are, uh, we're not counting here. We're only counting core albums. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, uh, we are not counting, uh, I might be wrong, the live album that they did no. uh, shortly after the release of Amnesiac. that correct, Bryce? Uh, by the way, can you, is your rap name Brizzy? Can we call you Brizzy well, from now on? I've been called Briz and Brizzle, never Brizzy. Probably for Brizzy? the best. Young Brizzy? Yeah, don't call him Brizzy. Don't, don't do that. If I have to be Young Brizzy, then it's Y-U-N-G. Like Young well, Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's almost as bad as earlier I I came up with the hottest new rapper from Gondor, Mill Earth. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a thing that'll be happening. Oh, so, and yeah, we especially don't have to worry about I Might Be Wrong Now, because one of the re- reasons why that album is such a sticking point with people is because True Love Waits is on it. But now True mm-hmm. Love Waits is on the new record, so that people are like, oh, it's finally real. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm also kind of like... Kind of, I kind of dug the acoustic guitar version of True Love Ways a little bit better yeah, than the piano one. But, same. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit. Let's mm-hmm. just briefly count down the core albums that we're talking about here. We are talking about uh, 1993's Pablo Honey. You might know it mm-hmm. as the, they're still to this day, their most well-known song, Creep, is on it. 
Uh, Mind-boggling. Yeah, 1995's The Benz, which has High and Dry and Just. Uh, 1997's OK Computer. I don't think any songs came off of that. Uh, <laughs> 2000's advertising-free Kid A, uh, mm-hmm. and its companion piece, even though some still say it's kind of, sort of not, uh, 2001's Amnesiac. 2003's Bush-era Paranoia rock album, Hail to the Thief. Uh, 2007's, hey, it's free if you want, In Rainbows. Uh, 2011's, I, I think it's an album, uh, The King of Limbs. <laughs> and uh, 2016's, we deleted our social media presence, because that's a form of advertising, A Moon-Shaped Pool. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, guys, we got nine albums here to rank. Nine. Uh, nine. So guys, let's go ahead, let's start with the bottom of the list and go first. Um, I'm going to throw out a thing here, and honestly, I really want to be, I want to be contrarian, I want to be the guy that just kind of like, you know, defies the system, but I can't in this case. Number nine, bottom of the list. Pablo Honey. Agreed. I actually, Praise. I'm fungible on this. I have King of Limbs in the last spot, but Pablo Honey's number eight for me, so I'm yeah. willing to, like, move that up. I mean, for me, what these two albums signify is, on the one hand, you have the worst version of Rock Radiohead, put very mm-hmm. glibly. And then on one hand, you have, for me, what is the worst version of, like, Modern this, like, Radiohead? Like, or, like, I guess, like, weird Radiohead, maybe, or, like, this, like, electronic, like, Warp Records Radiohead. Um, but really, for me, what makes King of Limbs so weird in their discography is I can chart the progression from uh, Pablo Honey to the Benz in a reasonable way. But to me, King of Limbs seems like it goes from in Rainbows and then pulls heavily from Tom York's solo career. And that's what throws me about the album, is that it feels... Like, if Tom York had released that, especially after hearing uh, Tomorrow's Modern Boxes, which was the solo record that he put out in 2014? Uh, 2014, 2015, I want to say. Right. The one he did on a fucking BitTorrent. Yes. uh, Because that's that's the wave of the future, FYI. And uh, so, you know who else did that? Diplo with his first album, his re-release of that. Because yeah, Radiohead and Diplo, you know, bees <laughs> in a pod. So, so I guess I I'm willing to uh, to because Pablo Honey is neither of these are by any means great records. But what right. for me makes why I personally put King of Worms in the last spot is that not only do I not find the music that interesting, but I feel like it's a the most clear divergence from Radiohead's career. And okay. there are plenty of Radiohead fans who would disagree with me about that, but. Uh, I think I'm one of right them. Now. Yeah. I, yeah. I I do totally disagree with that. I, um, honestly, for me, I I think that you can pretty clearly hear the progression from In Rainbows to King of Limbs, especially if you just re- sit and remember that there was a five year gap between them, and mm-hmm. they had that much time to, you know, uh, fiddle with things and let their sound change. And um, you you know, they've always been i don't you know they hadn't used specifically looping as mm-hmm. heavily as they did on that album before but mm-hmm. they've still done a lot of um you know very repetitive complicated percussion a mm-hmm. lot of like you know uh melodic lines that stay for the entire song and so it, it didn't feel like that huge of a departure for me um, and i think that it does have mm-hmm. a couple moments on it that are really great and worthwhile mm-hmm. I, I think well go ahead um, yeah, for me, I think, I, I do agree that there's some continuity, especially, like, I noticed on the drum production between the two, like, there's not much bass, this is, like, a weird observation, but there's not much bass drum on either album, like, it's a lot of yeah. snares and hi-hats and cymbals. And toms, um, yeah. Yeah, and so it's, like, a, a very crisp drums, but not very punchy drums. 
Uh, in a mm-hmm. live setting, that kind of changes. Like there's some, like there's a song on the album I don't like very much called "Morning, Mr. Magpie." That in a live setting oh, gets you're more. Wrong. Uh, you're so wrong. I, I both love that it's song. Fine. It's fine. I, Go that's, ahead. That's probably my um, favorite song on King of Limbs. But I mean, that being said, like I, I am willing to accept the the Pablo Honey bit at number at the, in the last spot because I mean it's not a good record, um, and like it's a weird case of how a band can like come and like over like surpass the expectations of the time period they were in because like that mm-hmm. album makes sense in the grunge era and it makes sense right. kind of around that time it's and then like Brit-pop. the progression from that to the bands is like night and day so right. in the number but nine the, i'm willing to ahead. be moved to your argument is what I'm yeah saying. and that's the biggest thing about <laughs> pablo honey too is that i was listening to it just today and you know what here's the thing it's not a radiohead album when you really break it down it's a fucking blur album. It's a total blur album. It's a blur yeah. album, Interesting. straight up. I know. I mean, the thing is, not, not the fact that the non-album single "Pop Is Dead" came out, which, by the way, echoes "Pop Scene" by Blur to an absurd degree. But more importantly, like, there's some of the songs just structurally. I mean, it's plain. It's simple. Certainly, there's a little bit more edge for, than you would expect mm-hmm. from a Blur album, unless you're talking about 1997 self-titled or 13 Blur, or you know, Damon Albarn waking off into a microphone and calling it art. But okay, I mean, but you just found examples where it is a Blur album, so I think it, it's pretty like. It's especially having become as familiar with their later works as I have. It's it's just so clearly a product of the era. It was like this is the sound they made because they wanted to get signed, and then once they actually found success with Creep, and then even more so with the Bends, they were like, oh well, now we can do whatever we want. Also, the only, as far as I know, masturbation song that they've ever done is in that one as well. Uh, Thinking about you. Uh, oh, is that about Master? Oh, yeah, because there's that long yeah, line, because yeah. I'm playing with myself, what do you care? You know, whatever. And it's just so, it's like, guys, that is, I mean, it's not the most mature thing ever, but really when you put it in the context of Nirvana and especially all these other, you know, kind of grunge rock bands, you're totally right. It fits for the sound. But, and there are some good songs on there. Let me just put that out as well. Uh, Prove Yourself, I think, is actually kind of holds up a little bit. I do think Ripcord near I the actually end is actually really pretty, like pretty solid. It's not their best song by any no. means, but it's it's a solid Britpop song. There's yeah. those hints of greatness that are kind of out there. Right, it like makes sense that that band became what it did yeah but it's still such a huge leap and lyrically there's a lot of alienation stuff that carries over into the bands and especially okay computer and like as you know it's i'm not gonna like i I think it's ubiquity makes it seem like a better song than it is but i do like creep like i think that like one of my favorite moments in rock music is like when the the song is kind of meandering in its verses and then right before the chorus, there's just that, like, chunky strum of the guitar. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. It's like brilliant. Like, that's all you need to do to get that chorus going. I, a couple stories about that real quick. One, the best description I ever heard of that uh, chugging guitar is when they did it when they played Coachella. Mm-hmm. And one rock critic described it because it was so loud and so epic. It sounded like God was starting his lawnmower in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> but also, uh, if there's this book, I believe it's called, I could be wrong, I believe it's called uh, Climbing Up the Walls. It was just kind of a, uh, an unauthorized biography of Radiohead in their early years. And they talked about how when they were in the studio recording Pablo Honey, they kind of mentioned this was a song that kind of sounded like a guy. It was like Peter Guyvers or whatever, some artist I never heard of. And uh, the producer misheard it and like, oh my god, this is a cover song? It's their best song. Why is it a cover song? Like, he was so upset with them. Uh, but then only later found out it was an original song and, of course, became what it is. So, guys, let's lock it in right now. Yeah. Number nine, Number nine. Pablo, Pablo Honey. Honey. Now, Bryce, we just heard you uh, tip your hand a little bit there with the yeah. whole King Limbs argument. Number eight. And I, I... I not necessarily would agree, but I don't really have a strong opinion on about number eight. So what I want to do, Taryn, 
What would you put? Yeah, you know, I'm looking at my options, and I think the only other thing that I would put down there is Amnesiac. Um, But I think... (laughs) What? Oh, you're you're so mad about that. No, I'm not. I'm very, very mad about that. Listen, I'm not going to be of the Zach Schoenfeld joke type where it's just like, guys, you have friends out there who actually think Amnesiac is their favorite Radiohead album. You go ahead and hug them today. It's not that level. I had a friend uh, in high school who her favorite band was Radiohead and her favorite Radiohead album was Pablo Honey. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> if you're li- if that person's listening to this podcast right now, <laughs> I'm sorry. Not really, but I'm just gonna say it's a same public face. Um, um, go ahead. Yeah. No. I. Um. While as you and I sort of discussed briefly earlier, I do like a significant amount of the the tracks on the King of Limbs. It's just it doesn't. It doesn't hold the same overall weight that the rest of the albums have. It, you know, it's like you just said King of Limbs. Do you mean that, or do you mean Amnesia? I mean King of Limbs. Really? Okay. Um, I think that it's kind of it. Uh, I think it really suffers from not having any of that harder rock edge, mm-hmm. you know, and that it's it's a little. While again, while there are songs on it that I do really enjoy, it it becomes pretty monochromatic as an entire album, um, and even though it's only eight tracks the shortest of those eight tracks i believe is like four minutes and 45 seconds so like it's it it's not know, a very long it's album. still it still you know mm-hmm. takes up enough space yeah and that, well the other thing about it too i think it's interesting is that there is a rumor and bryce you know this uh that was around for a time where it talked about how maybe this isn't really an album because they talked about how because the first four songs the last four songs are so actually notably different mm-hmm. maybe they were intended as two different eps that were conjoined together and when the album initially came out there were some fans that were like oh, oh, oh maybe there's more maybe they're gonna do another like amnesiac style companion album but then i think it was like phil selly he's like no that that's the album and, and what know, that's the, what other people yeah. speculated is that they would do what they did within rainbows where they had a second disc that was later appended to it um uh-huh. or they i had two songs two Two songs they added on to the bonus edition. Oh, that's right. The, yeah, the what butcher those... and like collider or controller right. or something mm-hmm. like that. I think it's controller. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Radiohead. They love their controllers. They are deep <laughs> inside British politics, like you would not believe. Uh, parliamentary rules. The new album. So, uh, okay. So, well, that's the thing. So, Bryce, now you're just not a fan of it because you don't like these. A lot of. I mean, aside from your I... total, totally wrong opinion about Mr. Magpie. <laughs> well, for me, what the, the the record is just like, it has this like navel gazing, like twiddle with electronics kind of feel to it that I don't dig. <laughs> um, I noticed that there's like uh, a couple of bootlegs of the shows that happen on the King of Limbs tour, and some of those songs do get like a second wind uh, in a live setting. Like there's um, like Ma- Mr. Magpie was one of them, and like is on the album. I just felt like the loops on that just got so like uninteresting halfway through that song but they shouldn't like because i dig minimalism like i there are lots of the things on the surface that i should like about that record but i just don't um and like there's only so much like kind of like quiet skittish music where york's voice like soars over it like that i can handle and i just i i like that terrence uh (laughs) terrence word a monochromatic i think is pretty apt uh is that for me there's 
like even if just for one song there was like a big gust of something it doesn't have to be like a power chord or something just like something to kick the energy up um sort of like and we'll probably get to this later um on uh the song full stop on the new record uh mm-hmm. which has which has this kind of like not very assuming beginning and then it gets into this totally like bang and kraut rock jam halfway through like mm-hmm. something like that and it uh, it makes sense that that it was on the new record. It was played on the King of Blimps tour, and it was already kind of a fan favorite then. So I and it's not that there aren't. And I mean, you get the iconic Tom York dancing to Lotus Flower video. Um, out that of, song's pretty badass, though. I mean, right, honestly, let's right? Be real. That song is is pretty great. But can it little by little is pretty great too? Yeah, little by There's, little. There's a great uh, the critic uh, Robin Smith who wrote for the sadly now defunct Coke Machine Glow. Once joked that they should release a version of King of Limbs where Radiohead's Little by Little is replaced with Oasis's Little by Little, which would be like the best interruption of that that whole album. It's also my favorite <laughs> Oasis song. So I know. Well, we're going to have a whole podcast where Bryce is going to talk about why everyone's wrong for hating on his favorite Oasis album, whatever the fuck it's called. Heathen Chemistry. Um, Thank you. Yes, I know. And I keep you the finger guns. Finger guns again, guys. So many finger guns. Thanks, right. Bryce. And like the thing is, that I'm not even sure if I necessarily agree. But looking at the rest of the material here, I don't really have like a good strong. Right. Do you have case. a? Do you have? Some, I, it's not. It's not that it's a bad album, but do you have something else that they have released that's worse that you can put there instead? Like my, I mean, there's. I'm not even sure if I fully believe this. What I'm about to say, mm-hmm. but like, just as kind of a basic level, like my feeling is honestly, the very monochromatic. I would believe, Moonshape Pool. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Uh, we're gonna have an interesting disagreement about that one. Because <laughs> I'm, and to be fair, Moonshaped Pool has been out for 12 days as we are recording this Oh, I know, this but we, at so the same time, we've, we've listened to it the living fuck ton out of it. We right? have. No, we have. We've listened to it a bunch, but... Yeah, I don't, see, I don't even I'm, know about that now that I just said it. Now I'm starting to think about other definitely that enjoy, I Right. Yeah. I'm, enjoy, I'm enjoying Moonshaped Pool a lot. It, uh, it surprised me in a few places, and in other places it was exactly what I wanted a new Radiohead album to be. Mm-hmm. So, I... Yeah, no, I would yeah. definitely put it higher. But I also feel like this is one of those weird things where, like, there was kind of a seismic shift when uh, Kid A came out in the in the pop culture landscape, and a seismic shift when In Rainbows came out. Not just because of the way it came out, but also because the actual album itself, uh, because a lot of people so identified with it and thought it was one of their strongest efforts they ever did. I feel like A Moonshaped Pool doesn't have that exact same level of impact as of yet. But that being said, we're kind of dancing around the point here. So let's go ahead and put it at number eight, guys. 2011's The King of Limbies. Uh, let's throw it on here. Now, uh, I went ahead. I was a little bit uh, selfish. I went ahead and decided to throw out our number nine. Uh, I went ahead and had Taryn. He went ahead and threw out the number eight no, here. Bryce did. Bryce did? Okay. I mean, because... Bry- oh, yeah, Bryce did, and you yeah. agreed. It's okay. Time passes I mean, at a slow rate, guys. We're Bryce- all dead people moving through the loan. We know this. <laughs> so, uh, uh, that being said, uh, okay. uh, um, Taryn, what would you put at number seven? This is going to be tough now. Now we're getting into this shit, guys. Honestly, yeah. I think I have to take a second and look at track lists. Okay. Just to, like, remind myself of every- I don't want to, like, forget something. Taryn hates OK Computer so much, you guys. It is just... Totally, I know. We're gonna. By the way, I'm sure at this point in the podcast we'll take a break, guys. Let's take a break right now. Mm -hmm. 
So, we just had to take a, take a quick break. Taryn is looking at, analyzing, and assessing. Yeah. Taryn, what is number seven? So, I think I do... I'm, I'm going to stick with what I had mentioned initially. Uh, number seven, I am nominating Amnesiac, uh, the follow-up to... Um, well, it's... No, see, that's... I don't... I don't personally think that it really is just a companion to Kid A. I, you know, it does do enough different things. It feels like its own solid piece of work. I just don't like it that much. So, yeah. I, um, so there. The, I, I think it doesn't, it doesn't reach the songwriting highs that most of the rest of the albums reach. In fact, yeah, you know, in, in some days I would probably put it lower than King of Limbs, but I, I, I'm, I feel good about what we've done so far. But yeah, I, I think Amnesiac unfortunately just doesn't. It doesn't have the. It doesn't have like songs where you think of Amnesiac and you immediately think of that song. Oh, I want to listen to that right now. For me, at least. Well, I happen to concur with Terrence's rating. I have Amnesiac at number seven. It's fine. No, you, know, you could both be wrong. It's totally okay. It's acceptable. <laughs> it is fine. What well, I... it, let me just let me just briefly. Yeah, I just no, want to please. I want to briefly go into this a little bit because I, I mean, everyone kind of views uh, Amnesiac as kind of the kid A, you know, like here's some other songs that we did kind of thing. But the thing that is so surprising is that I still find, even to this day, Amnesiac, despite some moments, because, uh, you know, despite my issues with Dollars and Cents, there's certainly the uh, the worst version of uh, 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 Morning Bell there. But damn, if some of those songs still don't hold up in an incredible way. Pack Like a Sardines in a Crushed Tin Box a is song. a pretty stellar opener, and I would even argue one of the finest, uh, one of the finest electronic experiments they ever did as a group, like, truly, honestly. Wow. Uh, from there, I mean, and you could, let's, we, let's, we could have a discussion about Polk Pole, revol Polk Pole Revolving Doors when we're all drunk Do and plastered. Do we have to? No. Uh, but, uh, Pyramid I might be wrong song is great. I might be wrong is great um yep you and knives out i still has kind of a nice little appeal to it honestly well for me what i i have amnesiac at the spot but to me this is actually because a lot of people say like you know okay computer is the apotheosis of guitar rock radiohead and then kid a is the apotheosis of their experimental selves that flourished in the 21st century but for mm -hmm. me because yeah, they pull out all the fucking stops on that goddamn album but for me i think amnesiac is actually where like modern like the radiohead that we would later see develop starts because kid a or has really? these experimental kind of t or these tunes that comparatively at the time were experimental that we haven't really seen since like something like the national anthem like there have been some like jazzy influences on later radiohead albums but nothing like that i mean like the full like saxophone blast i think is unique to that album and so is the opener everything sure. in its right okay. place um i think that kind of like really layered dreamy keyboard thing is unique to that album. But on Amnesiac, I hear a lot of guitar and drum work that I hear on later Radiohead albums. However, however, wait a second. I just got, I just got a pigeon flew into the window, some sort of magpie of some sort. It has dropped me a letter. And in this letter is a printed out version of a website article that your mom always tends to do. And what is this? A contrarian piece written by Bryce Zell about how Kid A is overrated? Yep. Is that what I see before me? That is true. And yet, not amnesiac. I'm just, let's, let's dive into this a little bit. Now, so for it to context, by the way, um, 
Bryce and I, we both love uh, we both love Radiohead. I think that goes without saying. And we've mm-hmm. each kind of written different uh, takes about uh, some of their more iconic albums. Bryce put together this amazing feature about the Benz, an album we're going to get to much later in the list, <laughs> uh, that was uh, talking about kind of its fluence when it came up on its anniversary. And when there was the, uh, was it 10-year? Yeah, 10-year anniversary of Kid A, I wind up uh, getting a whole bunch of other writers together to kind of talk about the influence of that album and how it kind of uh, bled through and what it changed and what have you. And then Mr. Brizzy, young Brizzy, as he's called if you're in the mixtape circle, he, uh, when there is a shaking of head right now so hard, his glasses flew off. Um, guy, But he talked about how he thought that uh, Kid A is more of a, I would even say maybe even a narrative placeholder more than it was an actually considered album. Brizzy, tell us why you're putting Amnesiac here and not Kid A in this valuable number seven slot. Well, I think that, the like I said, for me, and this will become more apparent as my rankings go on, but I uh-huh. think Guitar Rock Radiohead is more interesting than the Radiohead that we've gotten in the past 15 years. And for me, like, I think the the store the starting place for the version of Radiohead that we get now is amnesiac so you get like these very kind of skittish underplayed drum tracks like single looping guitar riffs um you can see some foreshadowing of the moon-shaped pool tracks in songs like um pyramid song on amnesiac um with the like really stately piano chords and then york doing his own warblings mm-hmm. um but for me, like I don't, I I don't think Kid A is a bad album. Certainly, I, I think it's extremely overrated. Um, but I don't think I think that album's highs are some of the band's best. Like I think that yeah, National is like a top five Radiohead song for me. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That would yeah. Uh, no one's arguing that. <laughs> um, and uh, I love everything in its right place. Um, and so I think that there are some like really stunning highs on that album, even if for me that album is not the um, I'm not gonna apotheosis. Yeah, the, the apotheosis. Right, of their you career. can still it's so like ridiculously lauded. You can still really enjoy that mm-hmm. album and think that it's overrated. Certainly, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. But you but you think that it still holds a little bit more of a stronger emotional and musical place than Kid A does? Yes. Or wait. Even though it has life as a glass you house. You mean then Amnesia? Sorry, yes. Amne- yeah. Do you think you think Kid A still holds a stronger place than Amnesia yes, I do. does? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, here's just, I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to win this one. I'm not, like, too upset over it. But mm-hmm. I would say that the, one of the weird things for me is that, uh, believe it or not, and this will definitely give you an idea of what our age is, because I know you came into this podcast looking for the go-to factors of everything. But, uh, you know, we are the de facto tastemakers du jours. Uh, Universal applause from tastemakers if you believe that I deleted your band promo email blog. But uh, I want to say that Kid A was my first Radiohead album, my first Radiohead experience. I had actually, well, for whatever reason, due to the pop culture bubble I was living in, I never heard a Radiohead song before I heard Optimistic. Hmm. That was my introduction into who they were. And I remember this whole campaign of, like, they're not advertising anything. I'm just like... What's going on? And they bought Kid A at the CD store with my money for CDs back when we had paper money before we had bitcoins. And uh, I remember putting that on and just like, it was just, I, I hadn't heard anything like that so far in my young life. I was like, oh my God. And then Amnesia came out shortly thereafter, which was darker and weirder and stranger in so many different ways. And so there's certainly songs I don't like about it. But even then, I listened all the way through Pulp Pulp Revolving Doors, which I'm just like, what is going on? It was such a weird, messed up song. And it's weird how. Radiohead, and you could argue that even though they are the de facto, you know, art rock band, question mark, of the day, uh, they did an amazing job, especially with these two albums, of pushing experimental music out into a mainstream way 
more than anything else. Because, you know, uh, Tom York, uh, he, Tom York, he binged on the uh, Warp Records back catalog in order to make K.A. Yeah. Uh, and you can clearly see that influence, not just on songs like Idiotech, but also just on how some songs are weirdly formless uh, and kind of just <laughs> meandering, meandering with a purpose, I think, is actually a fairly apt descriptor for some of these parts. Uh, I mean, I think... I, sometimes yes meandering with a purpose there are there are songs in their discography where i'm just sitting there and they are meandering without purpose there's a couple of tracks where i'm just like this isn't going anywhere mm-hmm. yeah. this is just it's just like four minutes of sounds but i will still listen to i might be wrong i still might yeah. listen to even something as throw tossed off as hunting bears a lot more often than i would most things off of kid a mm-hmm. interesting hot take hot interesting take. okay Right, but see, and but even last night when I was talking about how boring Kid A is when you're sober, <laughs> um, you, you, you yourself, Evan, said to me to try and look as it look at it more as what it accomplishes as a whole album than mm-hmm. on a song by song basis, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think that on a whole as a whole album, Kid A is much more interesting and it accomplishes a lot more and again and i do think that it has stronger songs Mm -hmm. than amnesiac does all right so i mean do you have so are you saying that you would put kid a at number seven no i'm not saying that right so again all right you don't want to put it here but what would you put lower i'd still probably say well here's the thing so my druthers at this point uh would be I would either put a moon-shaped pool, or maybe I would even put... And this is weird for me to say, too, but I would maybe put the slightly bloated... And I do mean slightly bloated back half of King of Limbs. I'm sorry, not King of Limbs. Of uh, uh, Hail to the Thief uh, around this time here. Because... Hail to the Thief, a loaded, incredible, like, hey guys, I know we kind of gave up on guitars for a bit here, so here's some fucking guitars all over mm-hmm. again. Considered a rocking, just like powerful songs, very much populist, I'd say, in appeal, definitely. But God, there are some long ass, boring ass songs on tacked on the back end. Like even with some of the stuff in Amnesia, you could be like, okay, I can see what they were going for though. You can think about it as like a museum piece almost. <laughs> but uh, with some of the songs there on uh, uh, Hail to the Thief's back end, you're like, no, that sucks. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's just that's not a good right. song. It just keeps going. So I kind yeah. of in there, but I will leave it to you two to debate a final ranking on that. I mean, so that's uh, fair. I I think I would probably the same as you. I'm not sure which one comes next yet, but a moon-shaped pool and hail to the thief are are up next. Right. In the okay. Range. So number seven officially, amnesiac. Mm-hmm. We're plucking it in there. Yeah. So, but now you're saying a moon-shaped pool and or hail to the thief. Yeah. Bryce. Bryce. What's your hot I, have, I mean, I have what, I have hail to the thief in this spot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that sounds and, pretty unanimous. Um, so I think bloated is a good word for the record. Um, yeah. Also in the song titles, which are like, title, parentheses. Like, I don't know why they chose to do that. Because, um, like, I'm just going to call it 2 plus 2 equals 5. I'm not going to call it... Um, I, forget, I don't even remember the subtitle because, like, why? Have Wait, I there's had, a subtitle? They have all these long-ass, boring-ass subtitles. Let's, let's, by the way, let's take a brief interlude right now. Let's go over our best favorite subtitle inhale to the thief because i think that's fantastic what was the sky is falling in oh. softly open our mouths in the cold oh my god this that's terrible they're there or aka the bony king of nowhere i also never the name knew of that porno i that. watched last night it's pretty good uh, although i think a punch up at a wedding the subtitle for that no 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 that is accurate they 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 called that one exactly how it should be yep. 
<sighs> uh, also, A Wolf at the Door, the subtitles It Girl Ragdoll, which, by the way, I think they may have stolen from Tori Amos. I don't know. That's my gut sense. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm totally fine with putting this next. I, I mean, They're There and 2 plus 2 equals 5 are both... Like, Some of the finest in, songs they've ever done. Ever. In my top I mean, ten favorite more radio than anything, songs. Bad math should get them this spot. I mean, let's be real. Like, <laughs> yes, because that, that's what we're doing there. Also, um, go to sleep. I think one of their most slept-on singles they ever did. A gorgeous looping acoustic number that just kind of feels, I don't know, like it's kind of proggy, but not really. Like it sounds like that perfect mixture of kind of old classic rock Radiohead and kind of the modern aesthetic they were going for. Like, ah, oh, it's so goddamn good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's Sailed a the weird, moon. there's a song on this record that I've always liked, but I didn't realize that there was like a disdain and like you, Tom York even addressed this at some point, but the song, Oh, We Suck Young Blood, which is like this weird, like stately, it starts off as like this like weird kind of boom, gloomy boom, piano boom. number yeah, yeah, and yeah. it like freaks out halfway through. Like that freak out is brilliant. Like, I don't know why... The song That's still it. stucks, but the freakout is actually uh, <laughs> kind of brilliant. No, I mean, legit, I'm agreeing with you. Uh, yeah, so, but yeah, I mean, for me, I think that I, I like how you talked about how it's like, here's some guitars, if you thought that we were missing guitars, because I like that introduction back into the Sonic. And I also think that like a 2 plus 2 equals 5 is a good example of how that totally works. But it is yeah. just like, I mean, it's really, the track listing isn't that much longer than, say, like the Benz, but I feel like it right. just is way more. Why does it feel longer? longer? Yeah, yeah, it does. Feel excessive. It's all yeah. the subtitles. I mean that. Too. But I didn't even know about the subtitles, and I agree <laughs> with you on that. Like I, just, I don't. It just there's there's too many tracks on there that well, just like you were saying earlier, they're they're meandering. There's a lot of meandering on Hill. Yeah. Songs that make me go no 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 no. Uh, by the way, I love that new Megan Trainer song. <laughs> so good, so good. Uh, <laughs> don't even. Don't don't lie in this podcast. Tara's very upset. Uh, also, Megan Trainer's new album sucks. Anywho, uh, <laughs> by the way, who who would have guessed that when you listen to the chartographers that uh, we would have Megan Trainer references in our in radio, the radio podcast. Head podcast? You never know what's going to happen. Quick, throw your favorite favorite Terrence Trent Darby song as fast as you can, Bryce. I don't. We're cutting no. this part. I'm a millennial. I don't pull that shit. <laughs> uh, by the way, if there's a bumper sticker that describes Bryce Zell in a single <laughs> single sentence, I'm I think a millennial. We just I don't it. know that shit. Um, okay, for right, so real let's, though, let's go ahead. I think we can officially lock in number six. Hail to the thief. Hail to the thief. And in that case, I'm just gonna be a boss right now and say a moonshaped pole has its uh, moonshaped grave dug out for it at number five right now. It. I mean, it think has about some what great songs what, on it. It has some great songs on it. But, but what we is get it up back against? to that meandering, and it's up against four incredible. I sense I'm gonna I'm gonna so lose think, this debate I mean, I so so uh, what, hard. Bryce, Bryce, hot take, Bryce. Bryce. But no, 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 no. no well, you, you don't have to lose it. Let us know what you're thinking. What if What if you convince us? <laughs> I again, I, I like I said, going to lose this debate. But I like I actually have a moonshape pool as their third best, which is weird for me because I did not expect to ever like passionately love a Radiohead album as much as I do as I do this one especially after especially King after of King Limbs. of Limbs. like I felt like you know they'll put out songs that I like they mm-hmm. they'll put out a good show but I never thought like as an album I would ever end up sold on them again but a Moonshape Pool totally did that for me like I'm willing to put a Moonshape Pool ahead of In Rainbows and Kid A um mm-hmm. As yeah, like I said, I, I'm aware I'm going to lose this debate. I'm not going to like. Okay. So okay, I've had that. I put I mean, that out there. What do you? What do you? Like, I think. What, right what's I think, your feeling about Moonshape Pool? Well, because okay. Kid A's coming up next for me. Um, I I'm going to be 
I'm going to be nominating Kid A for number f four. So if we are, if, you know, if you're passionate about Moonshape Pool being higher, I mean, I do in, in some sense agree with you. Again, it hasn't been out for very long. So my feelings on it are not as formed as I'd like them to be. But mm -hmm. um, Burn the Witch is an incredible song. Mm -hmm. um, I'm loving the the Zeppelin find yeah. the the Zeppelin vibes on the numbers. The numbers. Yeah. Um, like easily a standout track for me. Um, and just yeah, there's a couple other ones on there too. Desert Island Disc. Desert Island Disc. Yeah, it surprised yeah. me. Um, I, I when I heard like an acoustic guitar, I was like, what the hell is right? Going I, on? Like, and I keep and it's radio. Yeah. Kick of limbs. Oh my god, put it away. Put it away. <laughs> Desert Island Disc didn't you know wow me but i've i've listened to it more than a bunch of the other songs um and yeah, yeah. it just uh, it it is very good the other thing though is that optimistic might be my favorite radiohead song ever ever okay um and as you mentioned earlier national anthem is incredible um mm -hmm. you know but on the other hand then um and here's my maybe first unpopular opinion um <laughs> Idiotech is really annoying. I hate that song. I don't dig on that one as much either. All right. I think, the, it's, I, think more, it's the... I think it's more importantly what that song did in the context of a Radiohead album, much less in a mainstream rock album it's, as it was. It's one of their what? most popular songs. Yes. As far as like sales figures go still. And I just, I, it, I don't get mm -hmm. it. And, you know, and then we get into like Kid A yeah. and Tree Fingers are both you know, sonic experiments more than they are I real love Kid songs. I love Kid A, the song. So Whereas, yeah. like, you know, I don't think uh, a moon-shaped pool doesn't really have any sonic experiments, so from that But side, listen, I will put on True Love Waits when my ambient's not working happily, because the version that they have on there <laughs> is honestly plotting into a different... And also, like, I mean, I've listened to this album several times over, and i got to be honest, Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, whatever, that thing... Uh, that is still that hasn't stuck for me in a way that even or even Glass Eyes has. And Bryson, you and me were talking about Identikit earlier as well. Oh, how I like Identikit. Yeah, yeah Identikit's a pretty good song. It's more interesting than it is good, I would say, in certain okay. respects. Okay. okay. Uh, you know, and I feel like that's also a kind of what's going on with Moonshape Pool. And we got to keep in mind that by the time we're recording this, it's not like we plan these podcasts out around like hot, hot album release. It's not like next week, guys, let's review Chance, Chance the Rapper's entire discography. Uh, but at the same time, <laughs> or Three Doors long. Down, they put out an album a few weeks ago. Did you know that? Bryce loves Three Doors Down so much. I would, e that can't be I would even say that it's his kryptonite. Uh... <laughs> But I'm sorry, we have to take a break now so I can beat up my boyfriend <laughs> for that joke. Uh, but I will say, though, like, it, and so there is kind of a freshness and a newness to a Moonshape Pool. I do understand that there's kind of the conspiratorial, this is their last album. There is that whole kind of, is this a send-off? Is this yeah. a thing that's deliberately referencing a lot of their career? I don't necessarily feel that umph on there. The one thing I do appreciate it about it, though, is that unlike any of their other previous albums where they've had string arrangements, I feel like this is the one after uh, Johnny Greenwood has established himself as a fantastic uh, uh, composer of uh, movie scores, yeah. uh, including that really two iconic stuff. score for There Will Be Blood. Uh, I think that was the part where they're just like, hey, hey, do you want to... Do you want to write some good strings for us? Do you want to, do you want to write some interesting, yeah. fun strings for us? And I feel like there's, they was like, okay. There, have been there was a good tweet that came out around the time that A Moonshape Pool dropped where someone was like, wow, this new Johnny Greenwood album is really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's, what, that's what it is. Fair. Um, and so, I think that's like, I love the choral and string arrangements on Dex Dark and on... Yeah. Uh, oh, shit. 
I forget what the other one. Oh is shit! I don't remember. On. Was that a B side? I can't remember. That feels like. Uh, uh, to be honest with Tom York's lyrics, it could well be. Oh um, shit! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to be fair, I think oh, what shit. both of you have uh, touched on that is true is that while I personally prefer a Moonshape Pool to Kid A, no song on Moonshape Pool except for True Love Waits has the iconic status as, like, Radiohead as Radiohead. And True Love Waits only has that iconic status because people have waited so long for there to be an album version of it. Yeah, like, right. I'm actually, like, 50-50 on whether or not I prefer the Moonshade Pool version or the uh, I Might Be Wrong version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm willing to say that for now that the number five spot is fair for it, especially since, like, the freshness is there, and I haven't given it enough time to sit as I have Kid A and other things. Mm-hmm. And truth be told, like, a national anthem beats every song on uh, Moonshade Pool. Like, right, I'm yeah. To say that. And that's that's the thing. is For me, and again, maybe this will change when we get more familiar with it, but uh, national anthem and optimistic are both better than anything on Moonshaped Pool. So I think we have to put it lower. Okay. Well, right. guys, uh, let's let's also do something here um, because I feel like we, if we ever do a rehash, if we ever do like a follow up of let's reevaluate the discography that mm-hmm. we have, let's do it after they put out two more albums. So uh, we're gonna say it right now, Bryce. Here's an open invitation to you. Will you join us in eight years' time when Radiohead puts out two more <laughs> albums so we can rehash all of these? I songs certainly will. Fantastic. I love it. Uh, all right. So in that case, guys, let's just briefly, real quick, because we're at the halfway point, past the halfway point. Uh, number nine, we have Pablo Honey. Number eight, The King of Limbs. Number seven, Amnesiac. Number six, Hail to the Thief. Number five, A Moon Shaped Pool. Taryn. Number four, Kid A. As I mentioned, I I, I, I feel I like concur. we've talked about it enough, and I I kind of don't want like there's i still have a fondness for it but then i think about how boring uh the motion picture soundtrack is and yeah. uh, oh my god yeah it's so and long. like no one after creep like after yelling out for creep at a concert's gonna be like yeah break out tree fingers tree fingers <laughs> uh I, yeah, tree no fi- one's gonna say that tree fingers was on the soundtrack to memento it had that going for it uh, wait it was on the soundtrack to what memento, memento. Actually, really? an extended version of it, because as we know, extended versions of songs are always better than the original. Right, just and we needed fish. more Tree Fingers. Yes, we did. Oh, my God. <laughs> Guys, Tree Fingers minutes... is basically, like, Tom York might as well have just written on the album, I listened to Brian Eno once. Like, he didn't even have to record any music and, like, just wrote that down. He would have been fine. Guys, I want. I really hope that y'all are ready for all these hot takes. You better have your ovens prepped because it is coming all night long. But more importantly, guys, we are now down to the top three. We're down to The Benz, OK Computer, and In Rainbows. And I think we're at this point now. Bryce, you know this just as well as I do. We all have some very strong opinions going into this top yes. three. Although, curiously, like my one and so like... Don't don't shit. spoil don't spoil it don't spoil the okay. plot. Okay. I'm gonna tell you that right well, now. What I'll say is my position on them is such that, like, if either one was in the top spot, I wouldn't feel like one was getting cheated. As for number three, that's where I put in Rainbows. That's my favorite Radiohead album. There you go. Um, and and I I think similarly to what Evan was saying earlier with Amnesiac, it might just be nostalgia because it was the first time that I was, like, really paying attention to them mm-hmm. as a teenager in 2007. And so, um, I don't know. I, like, 15 Step is 
It's an amazing like one tune. Of my favorite. It's an amazing tune. Yeah, and it just like when you start going into like body snatchers, body snatchers nude, um, all I need, and then the cl- lo- closing set of Reckoner House of Cards, Jigsaw falling into place. Such a I mean, good. I so like good. it's for me not videotape. For me, it's their most solid album. It is. It has the least tracks that I want to skip. And it has the most tracks where I actually will, like, it'll come up on shuffle and I'll, mm-hmm. like, be elated and happy that I'm listening to it. You know, like, it, it just, it, it, I don't know, I think it just it shows more um, solid songwriting than I think they do in a lot of other places, even on OK Computer. I would definitely put OK Computer at number three. Hot take, Brizzy, where uh, are you at? Well, I mean, and Rainbows does house my favorite Radiohead song, which is Nude. Um, and for me, I think that's where, like, the way a lot of people are going nuts over True Love Waits for how long it took to finally immerse an album for them, that's what mm-hmm. Nude was. I remember hearing the, like, mid-90s version of Nude that they played live, and I was like, I mean, whatever, they might Man. do something. And Man. then, like, it's like the, like, there are people who are just really infatuated with Tom York's voice, and, like, I think it's good, but, like, I'm not, I don't have, like, a certain emotional resonance with it, but on that yeah. song. And it's, like, the song that's, like, both simultaneously very sexy and very sad. Because it, like, has that yeah. smooth bass line. Their whole aesthetic, it, it and Tom that. York's entire sex life, too. <laughs> um, but here's the thing, though, so... You say... You Wait, know, oh, yeah, Evan, Evan, where are you on this? So I know that Taryn's number one. I have it at number three. How do you feel about it? This is that tough thing where I think it, it comes down for number three, and I'm, I'm going to tip a little bit of bias here, or all the bias, because you can figure it out. You know how to count. Um, I think in number three, it's a tight race for me between In Rainbows and OK Computer. And part of the reason is, is that I think that so many of the songs on In Rainbows are so strong, but... So many of the songs on OK Computer are iconic for several, several, several reasons. I think that Lucky is the greatest song they've ever done. Hmm. I am putting that out there okay. right now. I think that as compositionally, I think in terms of what it accomplishes, it is just a gorgeous, powerful melody that they honestly, I don't ever really got up there. Let Down is right up there, too, uh, and just in terms. And I think they even put those out as singles. Taryn has hot takes. What? No, and now that we... Now that we're looking at the track list for OK Computer, like, um, he, I mean, I, I, I still, In Rainbows is still my favorite album, but I might. But my question be is, to concede this. I will even say, I will even put out Exit Music for a film as being one of the weaker songs on there. Yeah, and it's but where's so the fat? Where is the fat? Oh my god, I got a head shake from Bryce. Bryce, it's a beautiful. I mean, like, I know that people shit on that song because it was written for the. So bad it's good version of Romeo and Juliet by Boss Lorman. But I think yeah, Exit Music's gorgeous. <laughs> oh god, is that what it was written for? That's why that's why yeah, the that's subtitle says Exit Music for a film. But Right. No, I mean I I get that that's the vibe they were going for. I didn't realize it was actually written yeah. for one. But alright, cool. Yeah. Anyway, um yeah, you know, I uh, Air, both Airbag well, and Subterranean Homesick Alien are are also in like there's up there in there's my a lacuna in this conversation time. because we've gotten how we feel about okay. in rainbow or in rainbows and OK Computer, but how are we feeling about the Benz? 
We're not touching it. That's what's going on. Okay. Uh, where, where does Bryce feel about the bends? That's the real. That's the real question. Well, side note, I just want to briefly tell this story real quick. Uh, back in the day, I don't know if you guys were in debate and or drama. You both were. I know it. But uh, there was a time when uh, at drama, especially back at the state level in high school, you could do the, the various uh, drama competitions. You could go to different things. Uh, and people, there wasn't like strict rules on like it has to be from a play or anything. So people would like sometimes show up at these like you know state drama competitions and they'd have uh, you know something compiled. It kept Spacey's final speech from Seven and all sorts of, you know, other things there that they did. And one year, just for whatever the fuck reason, I got the liner notes to OK Computer and combined that with the words from Fitter Happier and did that <laughs> as a dramatic monologue. Uh, I did not advance uh, to the next round that year, but I was still goddamn had that I put that together. I tried it. It was fun. You nerd. It was a glorious moment. I'm just throwing that little bit of trivia out there. But that's also <laughs> at the point where we're talking about albums that are... Uh, incredible there and i gotta be honest i think that for the longest time i think kid a may have been easily my favorite uh there but as much like fine wines and palettes uh our, our tastes change over time and i can't necessarily although i still have a strong emotional connection of when i heard it with it it's not necessarily nostalgic and that's why nostalgic uh, nostalgic uh but that's also why i'm at this point now where i can appreciate the bends on a completely different mm -hmm. level than i did before uh, I think a lot of people viewed it as kind of that quantum leap of songwriting from Pablo Honey because the band who made Pablo Honey, there's no fucking way they could make uh, the bends because that is just, they're like, it's a guitar rock album, but Jesus Christ, the level, the depth, and the power <laughs> that they achieved on that was so much greater. And I can still say that Lucky is the, one of the greatest songs that Radiohead ever did ever in history. And yet it's still, when I think of it, and I think and every time we've done a podcast, it's usually come down to this debate, and I think it's true. If you had a Radiohead album to put on right now, which one would it be? And I think for you, it would probably still be in Rainbows. Yeah. And for me, I think it would be The Benz. But that's where I kind of land on it. So, Brizzy. Yeah, so what it is for me, and this is what I alluded to earlier, is that I would put uh -huh. The Benz as my favorite Radiohead album. But I think in terms of their, like, when people talk about the things that Radiohead have contributed to rock music and their, like, most significant innovations... I think OK Computer is their greatest achievement, even though personally I connect with the Benz more. Um, I So like Evan edited the special section on Kid A, I edited the special section on the Benz for Pop Matters. Um, and for me, I just think, I think Radiohead are extremely good song, the, the members of that band are extremely good songwriters. And that's what on some lesser songs that they write, like some of the like weaker tracks on King of Limbs or on Hail to the Thief that they don't, focus on the actual songs themselves because even on like like even yeah. on optimistic which like diverts from the basic guitar formula that they had been relying on like there's still a riff there there's still like a very like almost sing-songy kind of melody that york is doing so there's still a song there. there's a core and sometimes they divert from that and the bends is such a pure like to me like just is like a perfect rock song like you can't get any better than mm -hmm. that but that being said like if most people, in my experience, tend to say that OK Computer is their best album. And I, for me, I won't necessarily fight that because I think that album is incredible. But in terms of like what songs I listen to the most, like it's going to be Just, it's going to be Street Spirit um, and uh, High and Dry, you know, stuff like that. Um, 
And it's weird that uh, when I also think about some of the lesser songs that are on the bands, I think about uh, Bones. I think about uh, even like uh, Black Star. Mm-hmm. I think about um, I Iron Bones. Lung. And here's the thing: is that uh, technically they are. They kind of sound like college rock fair. Like it feels like a band that a band in college did, well, which immediately you think would sound like a dated thing, but they don't. They still last. No. And my problem with the bands, um, and I. And I think I said earlier that I would put OK Computer at number three, and now I'm kind of changing my mind <laughs> and saying I would put the Benz because I it just kind of it, I'm not it it doesn't fall apart in its back half, mm-hmm. but uh-huh. it is much less solid, um, then, which than the front half. Yeah. Um, but I think but OK Computer and in Rainbows don't do that. There I I feel like they're more solid all the way through, whereas like Nice Dream is really boring. Let's just say that straight out um also black star bothers me because it is the same chord progression Hmm. as the bends and it has the same hook blame it on the black star Hmm. baby's got the bends i think that's i think that's a it's there that's a slight they're too similar for me and and they don't then they don't do that anywhere else in their career where where i'm going like oh this sounds just like this other song that they did but you want to put it at number one, so I don't. All right, well, guys, this is—I think we're. This yeah. is this is really turning into a Mexican standoff of uh, math rock, like you wouldn't believe. By the way, <laughs> math rock Mexican standoff. That's my new rock band I'm forming immediately after this podcast. So, uh, yeah, Bryce, I just no, like say what you're gonna say. For the life of me, I can't put in rainbows over either one. I mean, I might have to be ruled out democratically here, but like, I just feel like. The like that band was perfect in the late '90s. Like that was their time to arrive, and like, and, and Rainbows is a fantastic record. I, I won't, certainly won't argue against that. But I just feel that as even though there are like, especially those first five tunes on that record are incredible. Like I actually would argue that in Rainbows kind of weakens as it goes on. Um, but the first five tunes on that record are amazing. But I don't know. Like my instinct is to say I would put the Benz at number one, OK Computer at two, and Rainbows at three. But really, those one and two, like, the distinction is between which one I connect with personally and which one I objectively would say, like, this is where compositionally they're doing things that they, like, are really being innovative in. And But they're doing it simultaneously. Like, you have Paranoid Android, which is just an incredible thing of a song. Um, and then you have No Surprises, which has this, like, simple, gorgeous melody like to song. it. Um, and it also works really well. Like I've heard versions of that song arranged for strings and it carries over so beautifully. Um, and so that's how I feel about it. But, um, I recognize that, you know, we are talking about three extremely good records. Yeah. Like that's the other thing too. We got to keep in mind guys, although we want to dig our heels in the sand about some of these, we're talking about three really amazing, really good astonishing records. albums. So here's what I propose. Cause I feel like we've talked about these. Mm-hmm. We talked about what they accomplished to a degree as well. Um, and I, here's what I proposed knowing our preferences and where they are. I think okay. let's talk about this as a top three. Let's take in everyone's opinions into consideration okay. here. And here's what I propose. Number three. Cause again, yeah. we all have this cup. Before you do that, okay, never mind. Let's, so we know that we know that Bryce's top three would uh-huh. be the mm-hmm. Ben's OK Computer in Rainbows. Mine would be in Rainbows, mm-hmm. OK Computer, the Ben's. What would yours be? Believe it or not, and I will never say this again in the history of my life. Exactly, Bryce's. Really? Yeah. Okay. 
So here's what I recommend as a compromise for all these visions that we have about how it's going to go. Number three, okay computer. Number two, in rainbows. And number one, the bends. That doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel Just right? Just put in rainbows in number three, whatever. As, as a compromise of those three views, I recognize that that's fair, but that is really hard for me to do. <laughs> okay, then apparently our compromise like, to be honest, has to be been honest, vetoed. I would... Uh, to be honest, I would almost rather go OK Computer in Rainbows, The Bends, despite my love of that album. Because I can, what I, one thing, kind of like how I was saying earlier that Amnesiac is like the starting point for the Radiohead we have now, I think in Rainbows is the apotheosis of the Radiohead we have now. And it's the, right, it's the best, it's the culmination of all of the best parts of modern Radiohead. Um, and then OK Computer would be the culmination of and also foreshadowing of the radio head that was being developed in the 90s. Uh, but see, and now we're getting back to the argument here. Let's just go ahead and let's put OK Computer at number one. When I think about the earlier argument that I had about where is the fat, I really don't know where it is on OK Computer. Yeah. Maybe yeah. the tourist? You know, like Maybe some people may not like climbing up the walls, but when you think about that... I awesome, like the tourist, though. Yeah, but also really the like hard that. rock riff, that Beatles riff that comes in with electioneering, kind of this beautiful reimagining, kind of that jangle pop guitar sound, but in their own context, with complete with cowbell. Uh, when you think about uh, that, and then you compare it with some of the tracks off of the bends and definitely some of the latter half of uh where, where, where are we putting number two and three i'm willing cards on the table willing to go in rainbows to the bends three despite my own best interest does that does that sit well enough with you you know Evan? what here's the thing we've been talking about radiohead for over an hour now at this point so well, yeah, i but think we, i mean yeah exactly right. that case and here well here's the biggest thing let's do let's go ahead Oh, man. This is, like, by the way, for the record, the kind of debate that uh, Radiohead fanship inspires in multiple ways. And uh, <laughs> we are going to get into that a little bit there. So keep in mind, three people coming together to come to at least a somewhat conclusive ranking of Radiohead albums. And by the way, if you don't have some of these Radiohead albums, buy the fucking Radiohead albums. Uh, they are not free anymore, but oh, the things you could do with money. Uh, dollars and cents, really. Uh, let's go ahead, <laughs> clock that in, and now let's go ahead and look at what we came up with here. Guys, number nine. Pablo Honey. Number eight, The King of Linz. Number seven, Amnesiac. Number six, Hail to the Thief. Number five, The Brand New, A Moon-Shaped Pool. Number four, Kid A. Number three, The Benz. Number two, In Rainbows. And number one... Coldplay's a rush of blood to the head. God damn it, Bryce. <laughs> Why did you have to grandfather that in there, you motherfucker? Number one, OK Computer. Number one, Drones by Muse. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing I mean, at this point we can just throw unrelated things in there and just see if it works number one number all eyes one. on me by tupac queen's greatest hits <laughs> number one william hung hung for the holidays okay number so all right guys that is a ranking that is a fin of ranking but clearly we have a lot more to talk about bryce you're good for a couple more minutes right yes i am guys hey. in that case what i want you to do you thank you for so much for listening i want you to do two things first off Leave in the comments below your ranking. Tell us why Evan is right. That's what I want to know. Uh, let's go through. I, well, I really want to hear what your arguments are. I really want to hear. Throw us that surprise on there. If you really want to throw uh, Amnesiac at number one, let me hear it. I am really curious to hear what that argument is. But most importantly, stick around because you'll notice the podcast right after this is our happy hour mini-sode where we're going to talk about a lot of things we didn't get to because there's a lot to say. So right now, we're going to head out. In the meantime, Bryce, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it as 
always, Taryn. Thank you as well. I appreciated everything you had. Uh, there was a hot debate we had here. Yeah. I yeah, know. I was surprised. I know. Like, it was great. I'm glad that uh, we, And uh... I am, of course, that other guy that sometimes does the podcast. Uh, in the meantime, listen to the Happy Hour Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>